Hey everyone, welcome again to the Bat-Ass Podcast, the Batman the Animated Series Show Podcast. My name is Clay McCormick and with me is... Sean Murphy. And we are here to talk about Batman the Animated Series. Yeah, love this one. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so we got a two-parter this time, so we're going to kind of talk about both episodes in one big chunk as one piece, I guess. Um, and uh, mm-hmm. we're going to be covering The Cat and the Claw, part one and two. Uh, part one, story by Sean Catherine Derrick and Laren Bright, teleplay by Jules Dennis and Richard Miller, directed by Kevin Altieri. And part two, story by Sean Catherine Derrick and Laren Bright, teleplay by Jules Dennis and Richard Miller, directed by Dick Sebast. And Ooh, two, in it... Two- Two different directors, you're saying? Yes, two different directors. Huh. And in it, Batman encounters a new cat burglar calling herself Catwoman, and around the same time meets a woman named Selina Kyle, as Bruce Wayne, to whom he is visibly attracted. When Selina runs into trouble with a terrorist group known as the Red Claw, who want, to, who want the mountain lion sanctuary she was trying to protect, she decides to take matters into her own hands and investigate. Uh, and that, 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 that basically covers both of them. Right. Um... You know, this is this is one of those ones where, uh, as a kid, I didn't really. It was one of the ones that I I didn't really care for because it was sort of a non uh, mainstream villain, even though it does have Catwoman in it. Uh, <laughs> Red Cl- Red Claw was one of those characters that never stuck with me. Um, no, was she invented for the cartoon? Yes. Okay. But uh, going back and watching it again, I actually. I don't know how you felt about it, but I I thought the first episode was really good. Yeah, yeah, I thought it was really strong. Animation looked great. I thought that the the sound, like the way, there's something very relaxed and calm about how Batman and Bat and Catwoman first meet, and like their their dichotomy and the way they play off each other. Those actors, I think it's really good. Yeah, definitely. The uh, um, they set up the Batman and Catwoman dynamic really well. Right. And they do it very quickly. Right. Um, and what I found interesting about this one is this is the first, uh, like it's not the first, but, um, it's a big name character who we don't get any, uh, origin for who doesn't Mm -hmm. feel one dimensional. Right. Like we get a lot, we get a lot about Catwoman in this first episode. Uh, you know, I think much more than we got from the Penguin in the first Penguin episode. Right. Uh, much more than we got about the Joker up to the, even three episodes in with the Joker. I think they've handled her pretty well. Yeah, I think this is the best character introduction episode ever. Yeah. Better than um, Two-Face, better than Scarecrow, better than Joker. They they nail her from the, the from the get-go. What like, about Mr. Freeze? Oh, you're right. Yeah, sorry. Boom! Right. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> Watch the episodes. <laughs> yeah, man. I, uh, it's, I always loved how she was... Bruce Wayne as a, as a woman, basically. Yeah. She's wealthy. She has her own Alfred, so to speak. Um, she doesn't have Robin, but she has her cat. She's really big into cats, obviously. And uh, she has like a uh, alter- alternative identity. Um, and rather being for the side of good, she's just sort of in the side of selfish reasons. But she's doing things for mountain lions and for, you know, 
green cause causes so to speak you know mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so yeah i think that that's a really good way to make her sort of a villain sort of good guy and you know at the same time batman's attracted to her so what's what's going to happen there yeah i think there's a lot going on with this character just in one episode yeah they as far as i know uh making her basically also comparatively wealthy i believe is is unique to the show i don't remember that I don't remember that in any other version of Catwoman I was aware of. Uh, and right. doing a very brief uh, uh, background on, on Wikipedia, it doesn't say really any, unless I missed it, it doesn't right. say anything about her uh, being super wealthy. Right. Um, so, yeah, it's it's interesting. I'm, I'm almost kind of curious why they did that, because I, I always thought there was something interesting about uh, uh, her being the female counterpoint to batman but she's not wealthy because the 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 origin of her that i know is that she's like a street kid or basically right. you know uh, who had to kind of pardon the pun claw her way up right and uh um i always found that a little bit more interesting uh right. but you know and i also it, I, I found it i found it interesting that they they deviated so far from the movie from Batman Returns, which is coming out right around this time. Like, this Selena Kyle in this show is not the Selena Kyle you get in the movie at all. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, the costume is ex- extremely different. Um, yeah, I never thought about it that way. Do you Do you feel... Huh. Does it feel weird that she's blonde, too? I don't know why, but Catwoman <laughs> always seemed like a brunette to me. Yeah. You know, when they redesigned her, they made her with black hair. Yeah, maybe that's what four. I'm thinking of, yeah. Yeah, I, it's funny. I, I didn't really read the comics until this point, so I had no basis for... I think I saw this before I watched Batman Returns. Right, and, right. Uh, so to me, this was always the Catwoman I knew first, so mm. nothing really seemed that odd. I felt really upset when they changed her, because I thought this costume was perfect. Yeah, it's um, it's really good. They, when they change her, she, she almost looks like a, like a goblin or something, because they make, yeah. her, make her skin really blue. Yeah. Yeah, it's a very yeah. odd change. I think they just they streamlined it too much, where it was just too easy to animate. There wasn't enough to look at, and in this one, I love the the uh, the gray and the black. I like how her tail is sort of like a whip. Or yep. It is the whip rather. Yep. Um, yeah, she she looks good standing next to Batman as well. They're they're essentially the same colors. Yep. Yeah. Now, go, looking at um, the Batman and Catwoman relationship that they do set up here, uh, do you find it? Um, <clears throat> kind of do you believe it like i feel like obviously again half an hour show you got to get to the point in these things but do you feel like yeah. batman and bruce wayne kind of fall head over heels a little bit quickly yeah well this is for the kids clay i mean you know you got to make it uh you got to speed it along relationships are difficult sean <laughs> not yeah not to kids they're not <laughs> yeah i don't i mean that the, the question that that makes me think of is um how likely is Bruce to ever have feelings for a criminal? Yeah, you know? yeah. If yeah. he was, if he was a thousand percent committed to only one thing in life, it seems like he wouldn't let his feelings get in the way of arresting her. <laughs> you know? Right, right. Like, but it, it's it's lonely up there on the rooftops. Yeah, I mean his uh, his feelings didn't get in the way of arresting uh, Poison Ivy. I mean, I, I, there's I guess there's something. <clears throat> he didn't like her though. He wasn't, yeah, uh, that was his buddy's. Uh, lady yeah that's true yeah i mean there is something inherently attractive about about catwoman from i can see it easily from batman's point of view but yeah i don't know 
if he would be uh, so instantly smitten, it, like you said, if he's if he's so against crime that mm-hmm. uh, could he end up falling in love with a criminal? The perfect irony of a character. Right. Yeah. Too a little too perfect. Or what do you think about her uh, not being interested in Bruce Wayne because she wishes it was Batman on the other side of that door? Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, it's the old uh, Lois Lane and Superman and Clark Kent thing. Yeah, yeah. How do you feel about Bruce Wayne uh, whoring himself out for charity? <laughs> <laughs> I, You know, I was going to bring that up because does that exist? Does the idea of the Bachelor auction exist anywhere in the real world? Or is it oh. only in television <laughs> <Sitcoms>. cartoons? <laughs> when the when the after one guy rakes in a lot of money, his buddy gets up and it's just like boo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was a uh, Groundhog Day. That's what that was. Yes. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and also uh, double kind of double standard because as far as I know, I've never heard of an auction for dating women. <laughs> At least not in this century. No. <laughs> not legal anyway. <laughs> Yeah. Uh it depends it depends where you where you travel in Nevada. That's true. Yeah. Or in Thailand. <laughs> um moving on. <laughs> yes. Moving on. Well, I'll say I love that uh, the auction scene. I think it it humanizes Bruce and uh I like how I appreciate that he's interested in her as Bruce Wayne. Yes, yeah. Um I almost wish that they led in with that and then when he discovers that she's Catwoman, he's He's bummed. He's bummed out. But right, there's right. still, like, at least he had feelings for her before, before he knew that she was a criminal, you know? Right, right, right. And then he'd be basically fighting those criminals. But to have him to be interested in her from the first the first get-go, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I, that scene's great because they also do, a, it's, a, it's a really easy way to um, establish how in demand Bruce Wayne is and how he doesn't really care about that. Right. You know, and how, why Selena stands out. Right. Yeah. I um, what do you what do you think about Batman's like mild sexism in this episode where he's constantly <laughs> like, "What a girl!" Oh yeah, Girls I'm an equal opportunity that. crime fighter. Yeah, Red Claw is a woman. <laughs> yeah, well, all right. So I would never write Batman that way because we all know better than that. But if this is 1992 and if you were 11 years old, you almost need to see male chauvinism spelled out, and then they need to address it and by the end hmm. she's sort of more empowered so i don't have a problem with somebody saying the dumb guy thing just so they can counter it later yeah that that's interesting i didn't really think about it that way but if uh, would you choose batman to do it though if you had because right. i feel like you feel like there's plenty of other less desirable characters that you could uh, right. have do that stuff even alfred alfred's a prick you could have him do it right that's <laughs> true he is a prick well i mean what i i never thought of bruce's or batman's response to catwoman being and i know the line he goes oh our new cat burglar's a woman i don't know he didn't seem to it wasn't like he was saying like oh this will be easy she's a lady right yeah i guess it's he he makes a couple other like quips later on that you know i just seem like regular batman punny quips but in context it's like "Mm, that sounds a little condescending (laughs) (laughs) yeah i didn't pick up on that i don't know I'm, i'm curious what the examples would be I can't remember. I didn't write them down. <laughs> of course not. <laughs> well, uh, I noticed that when Cat, when Red Claw came in, she she hit that drum even harder, where she's like, "Oh yeah, are you surprised that your new uh, worst enemy is a woman? Ha ha! You know, with giant shoulders." <laughs> and then Batman's like, "No, man, I will punch you in the face just as quickly as that puncher guy." 
Yeah, exactly. Because he's an op- equal opportunity crime fighter. Yes, sir. Um, the uh, uh, Batman. He's also surprisingly forward with Catwoman too. Because like, it's either I think it's the second scene that they're in together. Mm-hmm. He just he just goes right for the mask. He's just gonna pull that mask right off of her face. Yeah, I thought it was kind of vigilante code. Like, she, she, what ma- what makes him good and what makes her bad? Obviously, she's stealing, but. He's just another person jumping rooftops as well. I mean, why is he entitled to take off her mask and not vice versa? You know? Right, right, right. I think Batman has this entitled feel. Like he, like Gotham condones what he's doing, but it wouldn't condone what she's doing. Right. You know, I think I think that sort of uh, um, brings up something that I I wish they had done in this one. I guess they do it in later episodes with Catwoman. Um, so I was surprised that they didn't do it in this one because I always thought this was a pretty uh, essential part of her character. Was this sort of like line walking Robin Hood type thing that she has where, mm-hmm. yes, she's a burglar, but she's a burglar for the right reasons or the, she thinks she's doing things for the right reasons. But right. then she's always got – but at the same time, she still also just likes to steal stuff. You know, right. there's like a weird gray area with her. Um, yeah. That they do more successfully in later episodes, I think. And uh, I was surprised that they didn't lean into that in this one. Yeah, it is an interesting... Because she's not quite a bad guy. You know, they, they play with that a lot. Like you said, if she's sort of a Robin Hood type, she's fueling her... She The reason she's committing crimes is to go around the system to help save mountain lions or whatever her, her, her cause is. Right. Okay, fine. Well, why, why do you specifically steal cat related objects why not steal <laughs> stamps or comics i mean jesus there's no security <laughs> at the comic shop where you could steal a jack kirby original or whatever like she said she has a fetish and they don't try to hide that at all you know and right neither does she and i always found the gray area to be really fascinating from batman's point of view too because i mean that's where his emotions for her become that much more uh sticky you know uh, mm-hmm. or are complicated because he, like does he is her Robin Hood nature does that make his feelings for her a little bit more okay like if she was a straight up if she was poison ivy well even poison ivy kind of has a gray area depending on how you look at it but right uh if she was a straight up she was like Harley Quinn would yeah. would Batman still have a thing for her or would he be more like no she's a she's a criminal you know what I mean yeah, I don't know. Why do you think he never was... What What do you think Batman's type is? Ooh. Uh, it's, it seems, five seems foot like six, he has... cat-shaped. <laughs> Tail. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, Bruce seems to be... Depending on which Bruce Wayne you're talking about, you know, the Chris Nolan version or this version or the comics, I think he's got a dark streak clearly mm-hmm. right and he, he's attracted to women i mean he doesn't get out a lot unless he's fighting crime so the, maybe he's more likely to be around a, a criminal lady rather than a business lady or, or something like that i don't know mm. well like it's uh it's it's interesting to think about because in when they get into the justice league cartoon uh they pair him up with wonder woman which is pretty oh, yeah. interesting yeah yeah this uh, is before she was gay right <laughs> I don't know if she's I don't she's not gay I don't think I think she's just uh you know uh uh open 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 for love wherever it comes. Wait, didn't uh they recently make Wonder Woman a lesbian? I thought she was just like bisexual. Oh, well I thought they had a 
pretty strong change. It was that writer, um, oh, Tana would know. I forget. I, I'll have to look it up. Yeah. But yeah, it's like, because I, I guess if you look at the, uh, Batman mm-hmm. and Bruce Wayne's romantic history, the two who really stand out are Catwoman and uh, Talia al Ghul. Right. Who are both kind of similar in that they are they do have that sort of dark streak to go with them. Right. Yeah. And honestly, Al Ghul, they were also he was an environmentalist to the extreme. Right. He had you know you could argue he had noble uh, goals, but he went about it through super criminal means. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's what made him a strong villain. But both. Uh, women Batman is attracted to they both seem to have a streak of Robin Hood in them so to speak right right but also have certainly not they're they're off limits like he shouldn't be mixed up with either one of them but he is you know right it sounds like it sounds like the he has a thing for people with conviction (laughs) yeah that's why he's never into Harley or (laughs) or speaking of women with conviction in Batman's life what do you think (laughs) of Red Claw the villain who's introduced in this episode um i thought she was fine i love her costume design i think it's cool to have a a kind of a beefy lady um you know that could take care of herself and she's in charge of the men you know i I like how they flip the tables on the uh the stereotype um i like that she's not that complicated because i feel like the real star of these two episodes is catwoman right right what about you yeah i i think she's fine um, my my only complaint is actually that she's basically a Bond villain. Uh, oh yeah, and because you know she doesn't really have anything that she's trying to do really, uh, <laughs> except right. like except she's trying to get that um, the virus thing, which she she says at one point is it super crucial to her plan, but then at the end she just is like, you know what, I'm just gonna let this thing go and 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 set it off right now. Yeah, it's kind of a just a bad backstory or a bad um, context. The, the 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 real draw of the episode to me is Batman and Catwoman. Oh, definitely. Not necessarily Red Red, Red Claw. Yeah. Like the stuff with Red Claw is probably the most boring stuff, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know why they needed her. I feel like they could have had a good even make it keep it two episodes. I feel like they could have had uh, Batman and Catwoman. They could have tweaked it a little bit and not needed Red Claw at all, you know? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, you know, one of the things that I actually really liked about, especially the first episode, is um, I actually liked the detective work that Batman does or just, like, the, the way Batman interacts with the world right. where he's, uh, you know, he's helping Gordon out and then they kind of have a thing where he's asking Gordon if he knows anything and then he's shaking down the mob guys later on. Uh, I think yeah. I think you could have, if you had just done more of that stuff, maybe. Right. Uh, maybe she wouldn't have been necessary, but I don't know if they were trying to go for some sort of like, uh, strong, strong female versus strong female kind of thing. I'm not sure. Yeah, and that's where I I don't know how I'm supposed to feel about them bringing in a good lady or you know one woman who's bad and good. And one who's just clearly bad. Yeah. I don't know why they're juxtaposed. I'm not sure what I'm supposed to feel. And I, I yeah, I, I tried looking it up, and I'm not really sure um, why they chose to do that. Like, I'm, I'm glad they did it and stuff, and I, I'm sure there's a reason for it, but I'm, I think it might have got lost in the uh, context. Yeah, like, if I feel like if, uh, uh, if Red Claw's plan 
had been equally as passionate as Catwoman's or, right. or Selena Kyle's thing with the with the mountain lions, I think that would have been a more interesting contrast. Right. But, yeah, I agree. But yeah, she's fine. I mean, I, she comes back, I think, in two more episodes. Um, and I don't really remember much about those episodes, if anything. Yeah, and it's funny. Uh, I like Kate Mulgrew. I'm a big uh, Star Trek boy. Oh, that's fan. right. Yeah, it's Janeway. And um, I, uh, it's funny. She's always had this um, Russian accent that she thinks that she can do. <laughs> and even in uh, the some Voyager episodes, she's she's in um, the holodeck uh, acting with Tom Paris, pretending to be a, a villain. And I'm pretty sure she does a similar type of accent. And then again, you have her in Orange is the New Black as a Russian um, mafioso's wife or some kind of Russian woman who's in jail. Right. Named Red, of all things. Mm-hmm. And again, she does the same fucking accent. Like, I, who told her <laughs> that she was good at it? Because I think it's awful. And I like her as an actress. I just don't think she's good at that. <laughs> well, it's the best accent she could do. The rest of them were even worse. Oh, yeah. Her normal, just captain accent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I actually, uh, it surprised me that didn't... it. I didn't pick it up her voice right away, yeah. Um, but yeah, once I found, once I saw her name, I was like, oh, that's yeah, that's definitely her. Yeah, uh, yeah, she's really good. Um, Adrian Barbeau is does Catwoman's voice, who I didn't, I never knew that, um, and she's yeah. she's really good too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the first the first half for me is is I think really good. It's a really great uh, uh, non origin first episode. Mm-hmm. Um. And even though the Red Claw stuff is basic, it it is supported by really good, interesting stuff like the Catwoman, Batman stuff, the Selena and Bruce stuff. There's a lot of moving pieces in this episode. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Did you like the first one better than the second episode? Yeah, yeah, a lot. Yeah, I'm trying to. I, I'm. I watched it a few days ago, so I'm kind of forgetting what happened in the second one. Um, what was it about the first one that you liked better? I just thought it was a more interesting story. Um, you know, once you get into the second episode, you know, I, I don't know if it's a, if it's a, uh, symptom of the fact that these episodes are only two episodes and not three episodes. So you only have really two acts instead of three acts. Uh, but it always seems like the setup in the first episodes are really interesting. And then the second one is just sort of like, but we just got to tie this up kind of. Mm -hmm. Um, because the second one is pretty much entirely just trying to stop Red Claw Uh, and there's that sequence where I guess there's that sequence where Bruce and Selina try to outrun the guy who's chasing them and they apparently off screen go and fill out paperwork at the police office for an hour (laughs) yeah I want to see that scene (laughs) yeah (laughs) so I'm reading the Wikipedia page here and um it says uh, the episodes have been called a great start to the series, mm-hmm. with people praising Catwoman and Batman slash Selina and Bruce Wayne dynamic. However, the animal reserve slash terrorist aspect of the episodes were w- not well liked, with IGN thinking, quote, it played heavily on the environmental card. Bruce Tim himself claimed that he was never crazy about the series' depiction of Catwoman, singling out the environmentalist slash animal rights activist aspect of the character. Mm. It's maybe it's a good point. You know, I feel like the, the I like that that they're playing with um, female roles. I don't think they need to get into environmental roles as well. Yeah. Especially because 
Poison Ivy kind of already does that as right, well right. as Rachel Ghoul. Yep. Yeah, I I think that's why I've I've always liked Catwoman more when she is less heroic. Uh, right. As we were talking about before, when she's more of a gray area. Right. Um, and this one, she's very clearly like she has a uh, positive agenda. Right. Which, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I could take it or leave it, really. Yeah. Huh. I do. <laughs> I do like that. Uh, after all of this effort to save this mountain lion preserve uh, is enacted, Batman just blows the fuck out of it at the end. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I liked. It's a small detail, but I like the the piano keys being used as a lock. Oh yeah, I, I love that stuff. And I'm always sucker for a miniature model of. Uh, an evil plan yep. of any any kind. Yep, the city you're going to take over. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's always a great. That's that that always works. I think I, yeah. I can't think of an instance in which that doesn't work. Yeah, yeah. I also love it. I'm kind of just throwing these out there. I liked when um, Bruce shows up for his date and she's sort of just not in the mood because of bad news about the the lions and she's like, "You don't happen to know Judge, you know, blah blah blah." And he's like, "What time's good for you?" Yeah. And she's like, oh, "I'm kind of liking this guy." And I love when. Um, they were being attacked in the car. Bruce was driving, and he's obviously a very good driver because he's fucking Batman. But uh, he had to explain why he was power sliding, why he was up on two wheels, and he's like, "Oh yeah, I took the uh, I donate to Le Mans every year or whatever." Yep, yeah. You know, I I remember thinking during that scene, um, do you ever wish that Batman and or and or Bruce Wayne wasn't good at everything? <laughs> Like, like, I, I, does he? Does Batman have to be the world's greatest detective and also a, a uh, Grand Prix level skilled driver? Well, he's not a good father figure. That's he's, true. He's <laughs> not good at dating. That's true. That's true. <laughs> but like, uh, I, I would, I would love, I would, I, I love Batman. But it would be great to, for there to be a scene where it's like. Uh, you know they have to get somewhere, but he can't drive stick or something. <laughs> wait, wait, I love it. He's like he's 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 kicking ass on the way there, and finally it's time to park. And he's like, "I'm sorry, I suck yeah. at parallel. Would you would you mind? <laughs> have you seen the size of my car? I can't parallel park this thing anywhere. <laughs> I mean, it's so big. I don't know why. <laughs> That's why I just jump rooftop to rooftop. It's a lot easier. <laughs> oh man, he's driving a straight line from here to whatever. <laughs> Or trying to watch Batman three-point turn that giant Batmobile, like, in the middle yeah. of the street. I know. They're like, oh, god damn it, he went the opposite direction. <laughs> That's why it was so good in Batman Returns, where they came up with the Batmobile spinner or whatever the thing was that oh. makes it do a 180. Oh, yes, the, the, the bat turn thing, yeah. 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 Well, I feel like Batman's car is so long that uh, he basically power sl- he spins out in order to just whip it around in the other direction. It's yeah. by no means a, uh, <laughs> a Department of Transportation uh, acceptable move, but it seems to work for him. <laughs> yeah, or Batman, like, could we just get a scene where, where, where we see that Batman isn't really like a good typer or something? <laughs> like, he, he, just, he just pecks it out with, with his index fingers really slowly. <laughs> Or he gets in the Batmobile and he's like, oh, shit, I forgot the keys. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Alfred. <laughs> that's why that's why he doesn't. That's why they installed the voice activated stuff on the on the bat computers, because he takes too long when he types. Right. <laughs> that's true. I think in the no, 
I'm trying to think because they had an episode recently where he's typing and it was really well animated. But I'm trying to think if he was just using his index fingers like an <laughs> idiot. <laughs> it was it was the 90s, that gray area back when nobody knew how to type until instant messenger showed up. I know. And what's funny now is uh, millennials, uh, when they ring doorbell buzzers, they use their thumb because that's what they're using, used to typing with. Whereas um, I use my index finger because I'm not a millennial, but uh, is, it's kind of these things that are changing. Is that a thing? Yeah. Really? Yeah. I think millennials are more likely to ring doorbells and stuff with their thumbs because that's how they're used to typing. What sort of young kids are you following back to their homes? <laughs> it's tricky because it can't be their home because they need to ring a doorbell. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember where I read this or heard this, but it—I don't know—it made an impression on me. <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah, those those little those little things are are, are interesting. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I wonder I wonder how Terry McGinnis rings a doorbell. Maybe we'll get to that when we cover Batman Beyond. Oh yeah, yeah, that'll be good. <laughs> if we cover Batman Beyond. Yeah, we'll see if we can get off. Uh, we can get through this one first. Um, did you have a favorite uh, scene or anything that stood out to you in these two? You know, I was trying to think of that because I, mean, I know we do that question, and uh, I really can't think of anything. Uh, I don't like drawing animals. Yeah, I can, I can do it, especially if I have a good reference. Mm-hmm. But um, the other day, I was trying to draw Harley Quinn's hyenas, and they are hyenas are so odd, oddly proportioned, with yeah. tiny heads, and there's a few different species which I didn't know. And even though I pride myself on drawing decent animals i i think i'm gonna to have to redo this panel to be yeah, honest yeah <laughs> how about you uh well have you ever seen those uh those old um the the drawings of uh animals that people did before they like the first time they encountered them like hundreds and hundreds of years ago right so it's like an artist what he remembers a lion kind of looking like for after <laughs> yeah. he saw it for a minute yeah i mean you you really can't dilly dally and really take it in can you no. if there's a lion around <laughs> No, 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 no. We've got Ugg and Thug in a cave, and Ugg is clearly like, no, 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 no. You weren't anywhere near it. I was the one near it. I bashed. Maybe that's what they had to do is they had to kill it, and then they could sketch it accurately. Yeah, that's why everything was always two-dimensional, because they were drawing it while it was lying dead on its side. <laughs> I know. I'll chase it with a spear. You have a piece of slate and a stone, and you scratch out a rendering while it's trying to kill you. <laughs> that's how artists were created. One guy was like, you know what? Why don't you be the one to go and fight this thing, and I'll just document it. Yeah. And the artist is like, well, finally someone believes in me because my parents didn't even think I should go to art school. <laughs> Why can't you invent fire like your brother? Oh, man. Yeah, I don't uh, – if zombie apocalypse happens, I'm not going to say that what we do at all is that important, to no. be honest. I'd rather be the spear thrower in yeah. this analogy. Yeah. Learn how to swing a machete. I have uh, a. This is off topic, but I had a good question for you. Um, hit me. When you when you learned about ancient Egypt and stuff back in school, right? Yep. When they told you that the reason hieroglyphics were all kind of wonky looking was because they were trying to capture every bit of the human body in its perfect essence, so the eye was exactly forward, but the face was sideways, and remember all that shit? Yeah. Do you think that's true, or do you think they just had a cool style going, and they just went with their style, you know? You know, I, it's, that's an interesting question, because I think, uh, yeah, I, I would have to say style if I had to right. guess, because, I mean, look at all the uh, uh, the statues and stuff that they made were really good three-dimensional renderings. Right. You know, of di- at, right. in different angles. Uh, yeah. I guess... I think yeah, I would go style, but but you know if yeah. you think about it, like they, 
that very two-dimensional look mm-hmm. persisted up through uh, basically until the Renaissance. You know, all, all medieval art has that same. Well, it doesn't. It's not designed as interestingly as the uh, as the Egyptians did it, but it's very flat and very right. two-dimensional. But I, I feel like art teachers or historians, at least the ones that taught me, were sort of full of shit. And I know that the, <laughs> the books they're reading. So you're paid to fill a certain amount of pages with words about Egypt. So I feel like, especially with art as well, I feel like a lot of these writers just sort of invent stuff and just kind of go with it. I think most of the explanation for art and architecture and history is that's kind of the shit the artist felt like doing that day. Yeah, you know, it's just like how you and I work. You know, you're you're chiseling out of Queen for how, however many hours it takes, and you're like, yeah, maybe I'll make her fingers longer. Maybe that's my style, you know? Yeah. And I feel like Egyptian hieroglyphics, that wonky style, was like their image comics for just de- <laughs> decades. You know, instead of tick marks, it's like all eyes must face forward and the face must be sideways. Well, it couldn't be exactly the same because everybody seemed to draw feet. Okay. Yeah. But they were like really long feet, uh, with really long toes too. But yeah, you do have to wonder if uh, uh, if there was like one guy who started that, and that was just the style that everybody aped at the time. And I love like, hey, hey, did you see the hieroglyphics on the other side of the pyramid? <laughs> that dude is totally swiping you, dude. <laughs> <laughs> There's a great cartoon. Um, uh, I don't know if you've seen it of uh, uh, Egyptian people drawn in the Egyptian style. But they're all flocking to this guy who's drawn as uh, in the Grecian like contrapasto stance because he's like right. the new cool thing in town. Right. I always thought that was pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, man, anytime I look at that uh, classical art, especially sculptures, it blows mm-hmm. my mind because the first thing I think of is, man, what if you fuck that up? Mm-hmm. Like, what if you're doing one of those sculptures and you just, you know, have like one chisel mark too deep into the thigh or something like or, right. or knock a finger off by accident what the hell do you right. do do you have to start over right i don't know man you know the other also when it comes to like the statue of david the one that um michelangelo did i they say that they he made it top heavy to make it look more powerful but i, I don't know i think that he did the top first and <laughs> he ran out of room for the legs <laughs> so he kind of made it a bit shorter <laughs> Again, I, he's human. You do the best you can. I think at the end he was like, eh, it's, it's done." <laughs> I thought I thought the I thought it was so when you're looking at it from below, it doesn't seem skewed. Or is that something different? That's what I'm talking about. Whatever yeah. their fucking reason is, I don't I'm not saying I'm convinced by it. Yeah, or you like know, you I know think, how they say the uh 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 the Mona Lisa's eyes follow you all around the room. Every photo of every human looking at the camera I, does I, that. I guarantee you that that was not intentional. I guarantee you, Leonardo did that and was like, "Hey, you know what? Her eyes actually kind of follow you. That's pretty cool. I think I'm gonna keep hey, that." Yeah. Hey, Leonardo, it, it kind of looks like you. Is this is this like you as a lady? He's like, "Sure." <laughs> Just people invent inventing mythology about your own work, and you're like, "Yeah, sure, whatever." Yep, that's what uh, that's what history does to you. It makes you it makes you even more interesting than you ever were. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, especially since you and I are in the working in art on art behind the curtain i don't know like I, i'm sure a lot of these people were, were as cool as we like to think they are but i'm sure a lot of them were fucking idiots and assholes and just screwed up and didn't want to admit the truth and i don't know well i, I mean th- i tend to think it's very human i i can't stand uh well i mean thank you all for joining us on the fine arts podcast with Sean Clay. <laughs> are we gonna get into the cooning <laughs> <laughs> i have some stuff to say about the dottist movement let me tell you um but i i, I always could never figure out why um, 
illustrators in the in the early 1900 in the early 20th century or ever were never right. considered uh, fine art because mm-hmm. I mean if you go back and you look at everything that you know go back and look at the Sistine Chapel that's that's right. an illustration Michelangelo was illustrating the Sistine Chapel right you know it's just it wasn't reproducible so it's not, it's now it's considered fine art as opposed to illustration I always thought right. that was bullshit because those yeah. those illustrators are just as great painters as anybody else ever was yeah. Yeah, like the '60s artist, one guy named Bertie Fuchs. Oh yeah, F U C H S. He, I think, was way better than Michelangelo or any of the Ninja Turtle artists. Um, <laughs> he, I mean, th- th- don't tell me that. I mean, you've seen some of Michelangelo's drawings. They're bas- basically he, when he drew women, they look like men with female bodies. I mean, I the word master is used a lot, and I'm like, yeah, I don't know, master is what I would say for some of these drawings I'm seeing. You know? Yeah. I think. Bernie Fuchs could kick the shit out of him. The only difference is the 300 years and a lot of mythology. Yeah, and I mean, so many of those guys uh, in that in that era. I mean, you've got you know Bob Peak and Robert Heindel and uh, right. all that. Those guys were unbelievable artists. Yeah. But yeah. if you go back and you look at like J.C. Landecker or uh, Howard Pyle or any of the, they're amazing painters. Right. Um, I don't remember how we got on this topic. But <laughs> Just uh, Egyptian art and oh, art that's in right. That's right. So uh, to answer your question, uh, I would have drawn the uh, the train fight sequence. Oh yeah. I thought that scene was pretty cool. Um, yeah. And that that could be pretty fun to do uh, uh, to try and make that you know high <laughs> high energy and whatnot and not look like a hieroglyphic drawn on the wall. You could yeah, bringing it back you know, around. <laughs> One thing that you could do, I think I do have a scene now, and it's related to what you said. When you said train, I thought, oh, you could do like a fold-out um, comic where you know it like has a couple of leaflets attached, and you you unravel it, whatever, and you see a giant long train spread across your desk. And then I thought, cool. well, why use it on the train when you could have uh, Bruce Wayne shaking that ass going down the runway for charity? <laughs> <laughs> Just, a, just a, five, a five-page fold-out of Bruce Wayne slowly yeah. walking down a catwalk. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that would be great, man. Just in the middle of the comic, no explanation. Just hit just punchy people in the face with how you just wasted their $3. <laughs> you should do uh, you sh- in, in one of your issues, because I, I th- you're drawing Batman, correct? <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> uh, one of your issues, you should do a, a five-page fold-out that's just the Batmobile. Just like the longest ass Batmobile you've ever seen across five pages. That's a good idea. Or maybe a two page spread of him parallel parking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah or or a, two like, page, I, a two page spread of him not being able to parallel park and then just him outside the car just saying, fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> the first ever F bomb in Batman. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, it's funny. I, uh, I keep adding pages to each issue. Like, I always thought the 22 pages was the absolute cutoff, but working at image and knowing more about publishing now and how Scott and every writer I work with just adds pages willy nilly without asking. Mm -hmm. Um, I just add more if I need it. And um, I try not to go over 24. Um, But there's really no checks and balances when you get to whatever um, level I'm at, there's no checks and balances anymore. And I'm just allowed to add whatever. So if I just insisted on a three page fold out of a Batmobile, yeah, maybe I could do that. I don't know, (laughs) but I have to put, I have to figure out what you put on the other side of that. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, the other side of the Batmobile? <laughs> just uh, just the, uh, the rear of it with a pair of feet sticking out the front <laughs> as Bruce is fixing it. 
Uh, it's, it'll be Robin like waving him in, like trying oh, to yeah. direct the back of the car. Uh, yeah. Do you do you find adding pages like that to um, screw up your layout at all? Like, because anytime I've tried to do that, I always find going back and editing a script to be difficult if you have to add stuff because I feel like. If you're thinking, I don't know how much you write for page turns or mm-hmm. uh, or or double page spreads or whatever, yeah. but does it does it screw you up at all when you have to go back and add pages in? Yeah, it? yeah, I uh, I do think about page turns. Yeah, um, I think about left to right facing, and I do think about um, two page splashes or sorry spreads because it needs to be on a um, even odd number set right right um but what i'm adding now are splashes so for example oh, okay i have a point where joker and harley are he's kind of turned on her like she, he used to be into her and they were like bonnie and clyde and then something happened and i kind of went into the next scene without a beat so i'm gonna add a, a splash of them getting back and she's in bed waiting and he's just obsessed with batman and he's you can see him starting to turn mm-hmm. so a splash like that to me i don't find it that disruptive but i absolutely understand what you're saying yeah yeah it's i mean uh, that's why i've always found comics to be deceptively difficult um because you do really have to keep a lot of that stuff in mind and uh yeah th- when i was when i was doing my web comic you know i felt like it had to be broken down even that much further because if the way that i was doing it was i was uh i would be publishing a new page every week so right. I would be trying to think about I'd be thinking about double page spreads, but I'd also be thinking about page turns, but I'd also be thinking about trying to tell a complete not a complete story, but have yeah, yeah. that single page not feel like a you know yeah. like the, the way that they publish uh, the Phantom in the newspaper where it's just two panels right. and the first panel is someone going, I don't think that's the case and then the second <laughs> panel is like, Watch out <laughs> Tune in next week. Yeah, you know, to to, to try and avoid that that yeah. that feeling but also keeping you know it's it's a, there's a lot to balance it's it's deceptively difficult yeah i think that's what attracts me to the comic book medium i don't i don't care about event books or superheroes or superman or even batman for that matter well all right i care about batman because this is a batman <laughs> <laughs> i should probably not have started that. um but uh i think that there's no exact there's no correct solution to all these problem solving tasks that we have to do right uh, there's no, you're never going right, to draw the perfect panel. There's never going to be the perfect solution that shows the guy's face, but you also see the gun in the background. Like you do the best you can you shoot from the hip and hopefully you hit it, you know, 80% of the time and you move on, you know, but right, right. that's what I love is there's never like Michelangelo, it is possible for him to paint a perfect painting and have it be like, um, um, shit, Mona Lisa. But with comics, there's just so many variables, so many plates that you have to spin. Yeah. You're never going to – it's never going to be perfect. Like all you can do is try the best you can and move on. You yeah, know? yeah. Yep. So this just in, Sean Murphy doesn't <laughs> give a fuck about Batman. <laughs> He's actually the character I do give a, a fuck about. We're, uh, <laughs> I keep going off on tangents. This is my last one. So we're closing on a new house today. and um, Sean Murphy made... never going to draw any other DC comic character but Batman after this episode comes out. <laughs> Sean Murphy finding a new friend to do a podcast with. But he's unsuccessful. <laughs> anyway, what are you saying? You're closing on a house. Congratulations. Oh, yeah. Thanks. Um, uh, the money we used to put uh, down as a down payment was my signing bonus from DC mm-hmm. that they made possible. And a lot of the, the success I'm having and the money we have is because of this person that doesn't exist, Batman. Mm-hmm. And um, it's it's weird. Like I think about that sometimes to, to to owe a debt to someone that isn't even real, you know. Yeah, 
and how will you ever repay him? Just to draw the best I can and try to write the best story I can to, you know. <laughs> I don't know, man. <laughs> Tomorrow's headline, Sean Murphy's house, bought by Batman. <laughs> Bruce Wayne pays for Sean Murphy's new house. <laughs> Oh man! Well, I did bid on him, so he's mine to toy with for the mm. night. <laughs> well, he is—he—he—he he, uh, he is a man of his word, so he will show up. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I think that about covers it for this. <laughs> I think maybe ten percent of this was spent talking about the episode. Well, I mean, I don't know. Well, let's go into let's go into uh, uh, to to final rating here. What did you think of it overall? Um. Uh, that I, I if you want to yeah. rate both of them and then give it the combined or just do a combined score i don't care either way um i like the first one better yeah uh i through talking about this with you i realized how little i really care about red claw yep um i'm gonna go with a four on this as as a whole as a set yeah Yeah. how about you yeah uh i'm probably gonna say the same i think i would if i was gonna split them up i would do a four for the first episode and i would probably do a three for the second episode because it's not bad uh it's just sort of like yeah yeah you know it's not one you'd uh, if I, I would probably tell people to watch the first half of this, and you could probably skip the second half if you wanted to, and right. not feel like you lost anything. Yeah, that's true. And but I mean, you know, I think I think oh. the uh, oh, sorry, I was just gonna say, I think they even when they when they aired them initially, I think the first half of this was the very first episode they aired, right. and they didn't air the second one for a while after that. I don't think. Right. Oh yeah, that's a good point. Um. Yeah, oh, I had something I was gonna say, but you fucking distracted. Oh, me. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah i guess i agree the first episode is all you need because i think it does a good job of uh, encapsulating the relationship the complex complex relationship of batman and catwoman yeah uh, I, oh, sorry continue oh, and i was gonna say uh, kevin Eltieri, who directed the first one uh, that was what i was thinking of um he's one of their top talents i think yeah outside I, of um bruce tim and um Paul Dini, of course. Yeah, we've seen his name quite a bit up to this point, I think. Yeah. Yeah, he does a lot of the marquee episodes, if memory serves. So the fact that the first one was better than the second one kind of makes sense. But uh, it's funny because the second episode, uh, the second part of Clayface, I find is a lot better than the first one. Oh, interesting. But oh. both are great. We're, but, com- uh, we're yeah. coming up on that one pretty soon, actually. Dude, I'm excited. We have that. We have uh, Grey Ghost coming up. Yep. Um, the one with the invisible uh, father get what it's called yep that's the next one actually here's uh, here's Ah. a a question before we uh before we close out yeah um last last week or last time we did heart of ice and uh which was we were saying was probably better off being a a single episode if i remember correctly right uh, as opposed to a two-parter even though it could have probably been a two-parter do you Mm -hmm. think that this deserved two parts oh yeah good question yeah, I think you, they could have cut if they wanted to, especially if they got rid of the Red Claw stuff. How about you? Yeah, I think so. I mean, even even not even uh, it it seems to me like they they were trying to set Red Claw up as some sort of big recurring character. Because I mean, I feel like if you just added an end, like a, a an end onto that first episode, I think it would be perfectly fine. Yeah, you know, I I think you could really you think you could close that one out pretty easily and still get all the good stuff in there. <laughs> Yeah, I think you're right, man. Yeah. But you know, I had a, I so I I want to start off our next podcast. <laughs> There's I have a rant that I'd love to get on uh, record and since we're doing so many off-topic things in this podcast, <laughs> I have a rant about hentoy that I'd love to get on my chest. <laughs> but 
I, I think it's better if I just go into it at the beginning of the next podcast. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, that that'll that'll do it for uh, badass podcast. Tune in next time when Sean starts us off talking about all of his thoughts about Japanese cartoon porn. <laughs> we, we, right before we talk about see no evil and beware the gray ghost. So this should be interesting. <laughs> <laughs> oh man do right. I say goodbye or what yeah let's get out of here I'll see you later alright All right, bye <laughs>